Well, hello, friends. How are we? It's good to be with you this morning. Hey, thank you. Gosh. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Joe Ratterman. I lead the high school ministry here called Movement. And this just in, I can do a backflip. Uh, not like right here, uh, I need a trampoline and stuff. This last weekend uh, for Leap Day, we rented out a trampoline park. Uh, and we leapt on leap day. That's the most natural thing to do on a leap day. And as I was like kind of walking around the space, I, I, I saw this happen. What? Who could do that? Uh, that's one of our freshmen, Paige Miles. Uh, she is a gymnast, and as I saw her doing this, I was like, I have always wanted to be able to do a backflip. I, I could, maybe I could do it if she can do all that kind of stuff. And so she spent the entire night like teaching me and one of our other leaders how to do a backflip. And uh, after an embarrassing number of falls, this happened. Let's go. Oh, I wish I could do that right here. That'd be kind of sweet. Uh, and now I'm obsessed with backflips. Like, I did it the one time, and I did it like 30 times. And I just had this moment where I was like, I have been missing out my entire life on backflips. Like, it was right there. I could have done it, but it was so unnatural. It was so scary uh, that it just took the help of someone else uh, to make that happen. And so my question for you guys this morning is, have you ever been missing out on something that was right in front of you? Have you ever been missing out on something that was right in front of you. Uh, it, it reminds me, as my wife and I were wrapping up our time in Colorado, uh, we had this kind of moment where we loved living in Colorado. We had done the scary thing. We packed up all of our belongings and moved halfway across the country to pursue my calling of ministry, and uh, we loved our time there. We made some friends that just like felt like family. The, we had these six couple friends, and it just became like kind of a, a home away from home. And but after three years, we were pretty over campus living. Uh, we were on the third floor of this like campus housing. And I can't tell you how many times, I mean, we got to the point where it was like we loaded up all of our groceries on like each arm and like carried them up those three flights of stairs with like big indentions in your arms. Uh, one trip, we had to do one trip. My wife having to carry just load after load of laundry down the stairs and back up. Uh, me doing full-time school and full-time work, like, we were ready to come home. We were so ready to be done. And then that day came uh, where the, the first of one of those couples that had become like family uh, had to graduate and move away. And uh, that day we all kind of gathered together and uh, we helped like put their belongings into boxes and to carry them back down those three flights of stairs. Uh, and then we were left with this, this holy moment where we're all gathered in what used to be the living room of our friend Brandon and, and Tracy's uh, living room. And I remember it being such a holy moment. Like I was, I can remember where every person was sitting. I remember that feeling of feeling so filled up with love and yet like kind of heartbroken at the same time because we realized that this, this time was coming to an end. And as we, we said our goodbyes and gave our big hugs, I just... I sobbed, like ugly, snot crying, just sobbed because I realized that I had missed it. I had missed, in my attempts to like get back home and be ready for what was next, I had missed uh, these friends that had made 600 miles away feel like home. Sometimes it's easiest to miss what's right in front of us. It's easiest to miss what's right in front of us. And today we're going to be looking at a story uh, that Jesus told to a group of religious people who were convinced that they weren't missing anything. 
Uh, they thought they had it all figured out. And so he tells them a series of three stories of these individuals that were missing something that was right in front of them. And he concludes with this story that would have made every person in the room ask the question, am I missing something that's been right in front of me the whole time? And so if you guys have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. Uh, go ahead and flip them on, swipe to, uh, that's the day and age we're in now. Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And here we read, there was a man who had two sons. I don't know why I needed to read that. He had two sons. And I want to stop here because I am a geek about like family dynamics and relationships and what makes people tick. And there is so much to be captured in this passage. There's a man who had two sons. And what we know about this man is he was a loving father. Everything that we see in this text says that he wants to lavish his love. He loves them equally. But we soon find out is that these brothers although they heard that over and over again, may not have ever really believed it because they could not help but look at the other. You've got younger son who um, grew up in the shadow of older son. Older son is the, the typical kind of older child. He's the responsible one, always does the right things, probably a little uptight, uh, always working hard, always getting the accolades. And then there's younger son who I couldn't compete with that. Always felt those feelings of unworthiness that he never quite measured up to older brother. And so younger brother is the wild one, the reckless one, the fun one who got in trouble countless times. And as you can imagine in a household in which someone's constantly getting in trouble, where does the attention go? To younger son. Younger son gets the, the big hugs, the long talks. An older brother watching this year after year, it just fuels him to work harder, to be better, to get the attention of the father. And you can see just how this dynamic is creating this tension in the relationship that's about to reach its breaking point. Because the harder and harder the brother works, the more and more the younger feels unworthy. And finally, the moment cracks. And that's where we read that the younger son does something unthinkable. He asks for his inheritance early. He declares his father effectively dead and leaves home. And you can imagine a uh, father's heartbroken. He, he's lost a child here. An older brother, if he were to be honest, is conflicted. He doesn't hate younger brother, but he, he's like, finally, I can get the attention that I've been working so hard to earn. But we know that the father is heartbroken. And so day after day, he stares out that window waiting, scanning the horizon for the younger son to come home. Older brother watching this, just wanting the, the father's attention. Where do we find him? Out in the field, working. Harder and harder to get father's attention. What God pressed upon me this last week as I was just spending time in this text is that in this moment, the father lost two sons. One wandered away from home to try and fill himself up, to make those feelings of unworthiness go away. And the other went working out in the field to earn the father's love. The father's staring out the, the window for both sons to come home. 
Well, as you can imagine, uh, eventually the money runs out, as it always does. A uh, younger son blows his entire inheritance, his entire future on booze, reckless living, and one night stands. And he comes up with a plan that we read in, in verse 18. He says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And here it is. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Do you notice what younger brother does in this moment? He decides he's going to be like older brother. He's like, I'm not worthy for it, but maybe, maybe another try. I can be like older brother. I can work for it. And so we know he's a long way off, and he's on his way, headed back home. And he's rehearsing these lines in his head about what he's going to say to his father. You can imagine him head down, walking along the familiar trail to get home, seeing that gravel road and the, the house on the horizon. And then he notices a figure come barreling at him, running down the road towards him. It's father. And you can imagine in that moment, he doesn't know what to think. Uh, he's probably a little bit terrified. His father come to, to shout at him, to punish him, to shame him. And then it happens. We read in the text. But what was, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And it's such a beautiful moment. In this moment, he's expecting shame and condemnation. He finds the loving arms of a father who's just kissing his face. And son, like overcome with emotion, he just chokes out part of what he would practice saying. And before he could even finish it, the father shouts, quick, bring the best robe and put it on and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. All of these symbols of sonship, not being a servant. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for the son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and found. So they began to celebrate. They throw a party calling everyone around. It is a a festivity. And there is music, there is laughter, there are lights that reach to the ends of the property where older brother is hard at work. And you can imagine that moment. Brother knows what's going on. Older brother knows what would cause such a big party like this. Little brother's home. The rage that would have filled in him in that moment, those feelings of never being enough, storming and steaming back to the house, he refuses to go in. The father looking out the window, observing all of this unfold, likely does the same thing he does with the younger son. He goes running after the older son probably attempts to wrap his arms around the older who just pushes him away. And then older brother just lets the father have it. And look at the the words he chooses. He says, look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf? The father takes it, blow after blow after blow. 
And as the older son catches his breath with the tenderness of a father, he says, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and he is found. Effectively, the father saying, you missed it. You missed it. Isn't this display of my love for the youngest proof enough that you can't earn this? While you were out in the field working so hard for me, you missed enjoying me. You missed the love that I have for you. In that moment, the father's welcoming back both sons. We don't know how the story ends. We don't know what older brother chooses to do. But one of the things I love about Jesus is he's a phenomenal storyteller. And more often than not, when asked a question, he tells a parable or he tells a story. And there's a genius in it that it invites us into the story because stories have a power to invite us into them. You can't help but see yourself in this story. And so I wonder today where you see yourself in this story. For me, I'm a, I'm a little bit of both, and that's odd to say, but uh, for the longest time, I was the younger brother. Uh, ten years ago, I, I was living um, as, as an atheist. I, I'd been grown up in the church. I'm sure I'd heard about the love of the Father countless times, uh, but I never believed it. Uh, I never felt worthy of it, and so I did a lot of really dumb things. Uh, I had a, a reckless lifestyle, and I was looking for that thing to fill me up outside. And then I had my rock-bottom moment when the money ran out. And sitting on the other side of a, of a failed engagement, I was just in a, a dark season of life. And then there was a, a girl in one of my classes. She invited me to church, and I was like, interested in the girl and not the church, but you had to go to the church to get the girl. And, and so I showed up. And it was the craziest experience. As I'm sitting there, it felt like in seats just like this that the pastor was speaking right at me like he had read my mail, like I was the only person in the room. And so as, uh, as the, everyone stood up for the, the song of worship, I dropped to my knees and, and I just came back home. And there's this moment where the, it just felt like the, I could feel the love of God. I was just overwhelmed with his love for me, his care for me. And it was a moment like I had never experienced before. I knew that I was home. That was 10 years ago. <laughs> and a lot can happen in 10 years, you know. Nobody intends it, but along the way as, as we do this Christian walk, at some point, for many of us, we make the shift to think that we have to earn it. And it's from good intentions, uh, but we, we find our way into the shoes of the older brother, working hard to earn something that was so freely given to us in the beginning. And so along the way, I became responsible and a little uptight. I began to work for God instead of working with God. And in a lot of ways, uh, felt a lot like the older brother. It was uh, last October, I do this thing every year on my anniversary of kind of becoming a Christian. I do a solo camping trip out at Clinton Lake. 
uh, and it's kind of a chance for me to get back to my roots, remind myself of the story. And uh, it was there that God began kind of like kindling within me a, a desire to come home. Uh, to be off of the field, to get back into that relationship with him. And uh, that's just what he's been doing these last few months, has been drawing me back home, back to the reason I got into all this, back into his arms. And my quiet times have gone from like trying to race through scripture to read as much as I can or spend my weeks packing my schedule to perform for him. And it's been far more about just resting in the love that he has, enjoying what he's freely giving. God has been calling me home. I, I wonder where you find yourself in this story. Are you a little bit more like the, the younger son who went wandering to find something to fill you up? Have you been leaving? Did you leave home? Have you felt feelings of, of unworthiness? And have you been trying to find something to fill that up? Or maybe you're a little bit more like the, the older son who went working for it, and you never intended it along the way, but somehow it just happened. You started to work for something that God wants you to freely give. And if you were to be really honest, you haven't felt the love of God in a while. I think maybe for both groups, you're here this morning because, because God wants to invite you home. He wants you to know and experience the love that he has for you. He wants to lavish that love upon you. You just got to come home. You know, here at Heartland, we've been talking a lot about this passage in Isaiah 43. Uh, it's this new thing that we've been talking about. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? You guys familiar with this? For two years, it's felt like this was the passage for us as a church. It was written on our prayer wall as we've been like, trying to figure out where we're going as a church. This verse kept popping up. Clearly, God is doing a new thing at Heartland. Uh, but he tells us what that new thing is. <laughs> I miss it. I don't know if you guys have missed it, but he actually tells us in the book of Isaiah what that new thing is. Uh, we just may have missed it. He tells us in uh, verse 40, or in uh, chapter 43 that he wants to pour out his spirit on his people. He wants to lavish and refresh us with his love. He wants to draw people back into himself. But first, he does something very strange. So he's using kind of the image of water like being poured out. He says, first, I'm going to dry things up. Think about like spiritually, things get dry. He says, I'm going to dry up rivers. I'm going to dry up lakes. I'm going to get rid of all the vegetation. And if you can think about living in the ancient Near East, like what would happen if water disappeared? You die or you have to go looking for it. There's a sense in which God lets things dry up, allows us to feel that distance so that we go looking for him. And that's... The new thing, that God is drawing his children back into himself. This song, Waymaker, that we've been talking about uh, for like this entire last couple of years. The words of the song are straight out of Isaiah, where God talks about leading the blind on unfamiliar paths, turning darkness to light, making rough places smooth. God is making a way for his kids to come back home. We read that in Isaiah 43, he says, uh, I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. 
Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, who I formed and made. The new thing is that God is calling his kids home. Apart from any ministry or church or worship style, he's calling his children back to himself. To be filled up by him and him alone. And that shouldn't surprise us. I mean, that's what we see in the cross. The God of the universe left heaven to come bring us back home. That on that cross, he spread his arms under the weight of the world's sin to show us that there's nothing he wouldn't do to bring us back, to, to bring us back home. And I, we've just had a sense this last week. Uh, this is the third iteration of this talk. I had it written Monday, trashed it Tuesday, was coming in yesterday to practice it and felt like God wanted me to <laughs> do something different again. Uh, it's been crazy the number of pieces that have come together to make this morning possible. And I've, I've never experienced this kind of activity in a talk before. We really sense that God is up to something this morning, that he's calling his children back Glory home. to God! And so today, we wanted to give you guys an opportunity to do that. We don't want you to miss out on what God might be doing in you, what God might be stirring in you this morning. And so we're going we're gonna to have our prayer team that's going to be lining kind of the edges of the stage. And we're just going to invite up three groups of people. And as I say that, uh, you will not be handed a microphone. You're not going to be asked any questions. Uh, there's no forms to fill out. This is just between you and God. But we'd love to invite up three groups of people. First are, are those of us that have maybe wandered a bit. Maybe we've never felt worthy of God's love, and so we left home to go find something that would fill us up. And if we are to be honest, those things never quite did. And maybe you're here this morning because, because God's calling you home. So here in a moment, we're going to invite those of you that, that might relate with that younger son. Second is uh, those of us that are maybe a little bit more like the, the older son, who've been busy working some, for something that God just wants to give you freely. That somewhere along the way, it, it became rote, it became routine, and that, that love you had for God got lost. And you're not sure when was the last time that you, you felt the love of the Father. And, and maybe today, God just wants to tell you, stop being so dang responsible. Just be with me. Enjoy me. So here in a moment, we're going to just invite up anyone that has that little tug that you might be like the older brother in this story. And then lastly, we just got a sense that there's some of us in this room that may be connected more with the father of this story. And you've been waiting a long time for somebody you love to come back home. And maybe like the father, you've been staring out that window faithfully day after day, or maybe, maybe you've lost hope that that person's ever coming home. That's a family member or a friend, someone you care really deeply about. So we'd love to invite you guys up to pray for strength and refreshing and stand in the gap with you that that, that person would come. So as the band plays this next song, we'd love just to invite those three groups of people to, to come forward. And if you're here and you're like, yeah, 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 that's terrifying. No, thank you. Uh, the beauty of the way that we've organized this is we don't know what group you are. Uh, you could be coming up on behalf of somebody else. And there's not a person that's going to be offended if you squeeze past them. We just don't want you to miss out on what God might have for you this morning. What's been right in front of you this whole time. 
So if you guys all would kind of stand right now, um, I'll come back up here in a moment. Well, friends, we would love to just pray for any of those three groups of people. Uh, even as we're just worshiping there, just feel the delight of the Father that his, his kids are home. Uh, and so I want to encourage you that it's never too late. Uh, you haven't missed your opportunity. Um, so as we, I'm going to invite a few prayer folks up here just to pray on behalf of each of those three groups of people. Uh, but also want to acknowledge if you're out here and it's like, ah, you feel like you missed your opportunity. Once you know you haven't missed anything, um, the father is running after his kids and he's delighted that you're here. He wants to lavish you with that love. And so even if wherever you're at right now, I would encourage you, if, if that's you, if you connected with one of these three groups of people, would you just put your hands out, maybe in a, a posture of receiving? And as we pray, this, this counts for you too. Um, I'm gonna pray for the wanderers out there. Lord, um, we just thank you for these folks that are here today. I pray that you would let them know it's okay to come home, that this, this is a safe place that um, this is where you want them to be. So Lord, give them the strength if they haven't already to come home to you uh, in this day. Amen. I am going to pray for the older brothers. Like me, I always felt that I wasn't good enough for God. See, when you are when you grow up in a house that maybe you were punished, that maybe you had to do or earn things, and you didn't know the grace of God, it is so hard to see the Lord that way. And sometimes we struggle with envy. We cannot understand when we see that the Lord reigns blessings for the just and the unjust because his grace is amazing but we cannot understand it and we think that we have to work hard to earn God but we are recovering Pharisees so Lord I'm praying and I confess the many times that I feel and that many of you are here and that you feel that you have to earn God's and that he's looking the other way and that he has this grace for other people that might not deserve it but then you have been here waiting faithfully and doing things for him and you want him to turn his face to you and to gaze into your eyes but the Lord says, I am, and I love you just the way you are, and you don't have to earn anything. So Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, all names, that you will bring them home, that they will see your heart, and that we don't have to earn anything. That you love us just the way that we are, Lord. Holy Spirit, I release you this morning to show your love, your grace, 
your kindness and your mercy, Lord. In Jesus' name. maybe in their bed alone in their room at night and they are just in a dark place and they're just left with their thoughts and their heart and their sorrows and their dreams and with you Lord and I just see your light breaking through break through in their deepest darkest driest places God we know you're working even when we can't see it so we just commit that for all of her prodigals and for those who pray day after day, year after year, and feel like their legs and their feet and their arms and their hearts are getting so tired and they don't know if they'll come back. God, that's not for us. Renew our faith. Strengthen our arms and our feet and our heart, our feet and our heart. Just help us keep standing in the gap, Lord believing and hoping that you are calling them home day after day, moment by moment. And it's in your beautiful name, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come, call us home. Give us faith. You just want our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Anyone that's out there that's scared or has white knuckles and doesn't want to come, please release that. Just feel free to come forward in the name of Jesus. It's a safe place. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.